Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYINKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. We've got the uh, the anniversary today, in fact, I think it, it is, of, uh, of the greatest Alex Smith interview, probably of all time. And by greatest, what I mean is this interview just really captures the essence of who Alex Smith was as a person and as a quarterback in, in a single soundbite. So, Taylor... What am, what am I talking about? When I just, when I just told that to you, what, what comes to mind? I already know. It is the most Alex Smith interview. You're absolutely right. Um, it is Thanksgiving week, and he was on 610 Sports Radio for his weekly chat with the quarterback that they do. And they just tried to, to liven it up a little bit, give him an easy softball question, and say, what is your favorite things? I can't even say. Thanksgiving <laughs> Me, uh, side or Thanksgiving dish. What's your favorite thing to eat at Thanksgiving? And this white bread cookie cutter, no imagination guy says, well, obviously turkey stands out. And it's just you and I, the moment we heard this, we, we laughed about this for weeks. I mean, he is just the most answering turkey on Thanksgiving meal. That is, that is as Alex Smith as the world gets. What um, besides turkey? What what stands out to you, Taylor? What's your what's your Thanksgiving go to? Well, gravy be? stands out. Yeah. <laughs> sure, <right. laughs> Come on, Alex! Like at least uh, um, mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, I know oh that's, yeah, mashed that, potatoes. That, yeah. That's basically, it. I could eat that with every meal. But um, yeah, that's alas, the, we can't because that's uh, that would be very unhealthy. Anything with corn, anything with cheese, anything with starch of any kind, I'm all about. Any like. Um, uh, broccoli and cheese casserole or something, or, I mean, that's all, give me, give me all that stuff. I'm so excited. Well, it's going to be a very happy Thanksgiving indeed, because the chiefs are nine and one. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. It is Thanksgiving week. We Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I kind of started the caw and ended with a gobble. So Sure. Well, you know, I think more the gobble is what we wanted to go for. It's week 10 in the NFL. We've we finished 10 weeks, 10 weeks in the books, or I guess technically 11 weeks in the books. 
We're rolling into week 12. It is the week of Thanksgiving. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So first off, happy Thanksgiving to all of you, our listeners. We are thankful for you. We're not going to do a segment about what we're thankful for. That's that's too cliche, but we are thankful for all of our listeners. We've our got turkeys great- of war. That's right. Our turkeys of war, our birds of war, gobble, gobble, gobble. Uh, you guys did a great job last week uh, with our Raiders episode. So thank you for checking out. We've got great uh, numbers on that. Um, so we appreciate you guys tuning in and putting up with uh, Raider Cody. And uh, this week we obviously get to, uh, we get a, we get a dunk a little bit. We get a strut a little bit because the chiefs did beat the Raiders. So we're going to talk about that. Of course, We're going to answer a couple of mailbag questions. We're going to talk about the playoff picture, and we're going to end this with our preview of Chiefs at the Buccaneers. First, Taylor, let's thank our sponsors. I'll let you do that. Thank our sponsors, Taylor. Yeah, thanks to Sports Illustrated first. Um, They, you know, kind of are our parent company, and they sponsor us here. Uh, You can find us at si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. and you can also find them at on Twitter at SI Chiefs. And of course, if it's the beginning of the show, so you just heard the Manscaped read. Uh, we love our sponsors at Manscaped. They've been great to us. And, uh, you know, go to manscaped.com. Make sure you do that promo code, Sunny and KC. Get yourself 20% off. They've got great products. We love them. Let's talk about the Raiders, Taylor. Okay. Let's talk about the Raiders. So. Gladly. Sunday night football chiefs traveled to Las Vegas to play for the first time. in I don't even know the real, is it Allegiant stadium? Uh, they, they call it the death star. That's what they've been calling it. It actually looks like a Roomba, but that's fine. That's neither here nor there. The chiefs traveled to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Obviously, as you all heard in our preview last week, uh, I mean, we were pretty upfront about it. I think all of chiefs kingdom was on the same page, pretty salty about how things turned out the last time the Chiefs played the Raiders, and definitely looking for some revenge in the desert, going to the Death Star, and boy, this game this game did, did not turn out how I wanted it. I mean, Let the, me the result was good. Go ahead. If you just describe right now how you feel about the game without talking about the result, is it the same way that I'm feeling, which is that it feels like the Chiefs got their asses kicked? Is that? Yeah. And I, I, I was very pissed off about this game and it, it, the overall experience of watching the game was a net negative for me. Yes. Just, despite yes. the last 30 seconds or so of real time, <laughs> uh, the football game's three hours long and for two hours, 59 minutes and 30 seconds of it, <laughs> I was extremely pissed off. <laughs> that was the feeling that stuck with me throughout the week. And now here we are on Tuesday recording this show and that feeling has decided a little bit because I've gotten to spend some time taking victory laps. I took a victory lap first around my living room um, in honor of the the glorious bus driver. Nice. Uh, that irked John Gruden. I, my dog and I took a victory lap around the living room. And then I took several victory laps on Twitter uh, with some Raiders fans that I had been kind of interacting with. And I know a lot of you reached out to our friend, a uh, friend of the pod, Raider Cody, and uh, let him know what you felt about the game. But uh, at, at the time, I, I felt bad about the game and i still do feel bad about the game i will read a text message that you sent me at 9 38 p.m where you said let's just not do a show this week and i said or ever again agreed it was uh it was dark they were they were going blow for blow with a team that we thought 
they should have blown out of the stadium. I mean, this was going into this game between the Raiders defense not practicing due to COVID and the, the victory lap stuff and the one loss on the schedule and already being Raiders week where Chiefs should have plenty of motivation and as the Chiefs it is. coming off a bye. Chiefs coming off a bye. There, there was so much that went into a formula here. I mean, AFC West game in general, those are usually Chiefs usually do a pretty good job there. And, and I don't know if maybe it was just a confluence of, of so much drama that it kind of balanced stuff out. I, I don't, I, whatever happened here, the Raiders offense did anything they wanted all game long. Derek Carr was doing very un Derek Carr stuff to the chiefs, but now two games in a row, it seems like maybe that is what Derek Carr does to the chiefs. Now I it's, it's very topsy turvy. I'm not here for it. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with the Raiders being able to play with the chiefs. I, I would like to go back to those 28 to 10 easy, idiot Derek Carr throwing three picks a game. Let's let's go back to that. I like that a lot better. Yeah, before we get into the positives from this game, because obviously there was a big positive at the end, uh, there were positives. The offense was obviously a huge positive. And the fact that we won the game and, you know, essentially with it, the AFC West, again, uh, is all very positive. But let's get the negative energy out first. So beginning with the the Chiefs defense and the Raiders offense, and I – I want to just like, let's just close our eyes for a second and imagine Taylor that it is week 17, 2018 and Derek Carr drops back and he throws the ball to Darren Waller, who is not even looking at him. Who's Jared Cook, but yes. Uh, Jared Jared Cook, yeah, right. And uh, Dan Sorensen takes that and runs it back into the end zone for pick six. That's the Derek Carr. Let's just... um, Take a take a minute, just uh, ruminate on that. Go back to that time. Um, Derek Carr is good at the game now. Uh, we kind of talked about this with Cody last week, uh, but this is Derek Carr's best season in the NFL by far. I don't talk to me about 2016. He wasn't that good in 2016. He is actually, by a lot of metrics, a top five quarterback. Like I, yeah. it's it's almost harder to make the case that he's not a top five quarterback. Now listen that still doesn't really make him a realistic MVP candidate because the gap between number five and number two and number one is huge. It's still big Mahomes and Rogers, even, you know, if you wanted to throw somebody like Kyler, you know, into the mix there, but he's playing really well and he played really well in this game. He was very, very sharp. I mean, honestly, the only other times the Raiders stopped themselves I say stopped themselves because that's what happened. The only other times the Raiders really got stopped in this game were when his receivers dropped the ball and he was very precise. He was very on point. What was frustrating about this game was as in the first meeting, the chiefs really did not pressure Derek Carr hardly at all. And the, the handful of times that Chiefs got pressure in this game, he did Derek Carr things. It was like, you know, when you don't give this guy five seconds to stand in the pocket and do whatever he wants to do, he's still going to make mistakes. The uh, the long pass, I think it was in the third quarter, that he didn't connect on with uh, Aguilar, I think it was. Uh, that ball was catchable, but it was a little bit off target. And it was off target because they pressured him. And then on the last play of the game, essentially before the Chiefs kneeled down, when he threw an interception, same deal. He got flushed from the pocket. He had to throw on the run. He was under pressure, and he threw it directly to Dan Swanson, who made a great play on the ball. I mean, Chiefs have got to find a way to get some pressure, Taylor. 
Yeah, the that was the name for sure. Clark and Jones were the two names that everybody was kind of dogging at the end of the game because you have all that money invested in the D line. You have your two, you know, superstars on that line. And now, granted, if you go back and watch the tape, Jones faced double teams on almost every snap. And Colton Miller, who came back on the Raiders line and had a really, really good game, was forcing Frank Clark to to take a long route around the outside to get to the quarterback. They played the two stars on the Chiefs defensive line as well as I've seen any team play them all year. And without Taco Charlton, who is, of course, injured and on the IR, there just really wasn't a third member of that line to step up. And because of that, the lack of pressure when you, like you were saying, when you don't pressure Derek Carr, he's an NFL quarterback. He'll, he can sit back there and he's got fast receivers between rugs who didn't really do much, but always is a threat to go deep. Um, and Aguilar and Waller Waller is a man. I mean, that guy is such a hard matchup. There were a couple times I know um, uh, honey badger tweeted out that he was feeling sick during the game. And so I think maybe, I mean, he had a pretty poor game, especially also feeling sick watching the honey badger during yeah, the game and especially tackling. He was not yeah. interested in tackling. He looked like Marcus Peters out there with just a complete lack of any sort of aggression. Um, every time they would play off the Raiders receivers and anytime they would catch it, it was like the chiefs just kind of guided them out of, out of bounds. Like they just didn't hit anybody and especially honey badger. So that was discouraging. Uh, we've seen enough out of him enough great plays enough great. I mean, we know Matthew is a good player and a game like that. And really same thing with Jones and Clark, people like to get on these guys, but they are excellent, excellent football players. And the fact that they didn't get any pressure or any, you know, didn't have any success. Sometimes you got to credit the other team. And sometimes you know that the other team is built to, to stop your guys specifically and they scheme to stop your guys specifically. And that's like, it's not quite Bill Belichick levels yet with Gruden, but it's the same type of like, if he takes something away from you, you have to just tip your hat and try and beat him another way. And I think that's what the Raiders were doing here. They were controlling our defensive line and playing, playing a really, really outstanding offensive game plan. And our defense wasn't ready for it. Just like they weren't ready the last time. And you know, the Raiders played their Super Bowl two times already this season and they won one of them and they lost one of them. Good for them. Um, I think uh, the Chiefs have their sights set a little bit higher than that game. Yeah, I mean, I think the to your point, uh, you do sometimes just have to to tip your cap. And one thing that the Raiders do have is a really good offensive line uh, built around former Chief Rodney Hudson, who's yeah. still one of the best centers Excellent. in the game. So when you're talking about you know interior pressure and Jones getting double teamed, you know you've got Rodney Hudson at the center of that line who's playing great. Um, I think Gabe Jackson in there too. They really, I mean, they have a stout interior. Uh, Colt Miller has really come on. Um, he was looking like a hilarious bust after they drafted him, but he's a good player and he's huge. I mean, their offensive line, even without Trent Brown in there is just massive and they did a good job. And I, I agree with what you're saying as big of a goofball as John Gruden is. And he is a huge goofball. I mean, like he just is, he's such a, weirdo dork but like he can coach and man I listen the Raiders have been pretty inconsistent but they have been very 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 well coached in their two games against the Chiefs and I don't think that's coincidence like the fact that they 
you know, didn't necessarily uh, get up for the Buffalo Bills, um, mm-hmm. the New England Patriots, that doesn't really surprise me because those games, I mean, they count the same in the win and loss column. So, you know, maybe the Raiders probably should have spent a little bit more time preparing for those games. Maybe they'd have a little bit better record right now, but I think they spend an inordinate amount of time in the off season and leading up to these games, preparing for the chiefs. And I think, you know, what I was hoping was going to happen in this game was, Oh, well the, you know, the Raiders, the first game, they took a lot of deep shots. They did some things that we weren't expecting the Raiders to do. And you know, what I was hoping was in the second game, we would see Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs defense adjust and them kind of dictate the game. And and that's not what happened. The Raiders did what they wanted to do. They imposed their will on us. And you have to give credit to them for that. I mean, the Chiefs, to their credit, did take away the deep passing game more or less in this game. They did have a couple of plays that could have been uh, very bad that they, you know, there was some, some misconnections uh, down the field, but you know, like I said, I mean, those are the plays where they, they managed to, to get a little bit of pressure. And frankly, that's what we expected to happen in the first game was for them to not necessarily connect on some of these deep balls, because that's what's happened. You know, Nelson Aguilar and Derek Carr, like how often should that work out? Right? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. It's, um, you know, close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades. It's something in the NFL where the difference between a bomb and an incomplete pass is so small most of the time. And the elite offenses and the elite quarterbacks and the elite receivers, they hit on those. They, they hit on them more than they miss. And just taking the shot isn't good enough. And the, we, the Chiefs have seen this multiple times, even with Patrick Mahomes, where he'll, you know, scramble around and hit Kaiser and he drops the ball and that just goes down as an incomplete pass. That's all, that's all it accounts as, even though the ball was right on the money, you know, teams are going to miss those. So I, um, I would say that we would expect the Raiders to hit on those long plays as often as Carr has hit on them in his career, which is not that often. And, and sure he's got, Rugs who can take the top off and sure he's got, I guess, Nelson Aguilar who really never did much in Philly and probably is just doing more in um, Vegas because he's featured more, not really because he's a better player. I don't know. Um, I also still can't, think, he still can't catch. Yeah. The, the viral video of the guy saying they were, <laughs> they were catching those babies. Unlike Aguilar, that, <laughs> yeah. that Eagles fan that still cracks me up every time yeah. I think of Nelson Aguilar dropping that. Yep. Me too. Balls. But Same. um you know, the the performance by the Raiders against the Chiefs is kind of indicative to me of John Gruden as like his personality. Like he's so emotional and he's so he gets so fired up and he's crazy. And like, I just feel like they might not have the pieces to put together a successful game plan for 16 games. Like you were talking about the Bills, the Raiders or the Patriots, whoever. But he does have the motivation and he can get his guys knocking on wood or doing whatever they need to do in preparation (laughs) for a game like the chiefs where the chiefs have beaten the Raiders still two out or the Raiders have beaten the chiefs two out of the last 15 times they played. Like it has not been a, a rivalry. It has been an, and that was Gruden's first win over the chiefs. Uh, This was, yeah, that's right. Last last game was Uh, last. Yeah. Earlier this year. Right. Um, And so it's kind of one of those deals where, Gruden looks up to Andy Reid. Obviously, he's a mentor figure there. Um, they're very close. You know, it's just 
it doesn't surprise me. It's like, um, I know you're not the biggest college sports fan, especially college basketball, but um, I, you know, you see this happen a lot, uh, me being a KU fan with a matchup against like K-State where the, the talent might not be there. Uh, you know, KU might have a huge advantage in the talent, but then K-State comes in and, and they play him to a three-point game or two-point game and everyone thinks, oh, sure. what happened there? But it's just these rivalries – there's something different to it. There's something, there's more juice, there's more just emotion. And I think that's what happened here to me as a chiefs fan, if the Raiders are going to be competitive with the chiefs, but not better than just, just give them games every time. Like I miss those games. I I'm not going to say that I want them more than I want an ass kicking, but it definitely gets me way more fired up to play the Raiders. If I know it's going to be a game like this, than just the the last three or four time four years we've played the Raiders where they've been a complete joke. So I don't know. It could be good. Um, it certainly is going to be interesting to see how they respond to the loss because they're kind of a team that it seems like can step on their own foot and turn one loss into three or four. Sure. And I wouldn't really be super shocked to see a six and four Raiders team end the year eight and eight or nine and seven, or, or you know, just really lose a lot of the momentum that they had because uh, it seems like this was the game. If they had beaten the chiefs here, they're going to turn their season around. They're going to be, you know, on their way to the Super Bowl or whatever the hell Raider Cody thinks is going to happen. But now it's like, well, we're playing for next year. They've I've on silver and black pride. They're talking about their draft. It's it's they're, they're done. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Cause we're going to talk about the current playoff picture. Now that we're, we're at Thanksgiving, it's, it's worth kind of discussing and talking about. Um, but I just wanted to circle back to something that you said, you know, about the rivalry and, you know, credit to the Raiders for making this game relevant and making uh, the people on both sides of the fan base want to kind of get up for it. Um, I, I think in hindsight, you know, obviously we all expected and hoped that they would blow them out. But in hindsight, it was kind of fun to have a close game. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was it, it was fun in hindsight because we, we won the game. Um, <laughs> if we had not won the game, then miss me with having close camps if we're going to lose them. But if we're going to win them, uh, sure, why not? I mean, it is kind of fun to have a close game, and that does kind of get the competitive juices going. Before we talk about the offense, which is the only positive in this game, uh, we have to take a brief detour to talk about special teams. But we're going to do we're going to do like the compliment sandwich, you know, where we mm. – well – it's not really a compliment sandwich because there's there's only one good thing, but I'm going to lead with that. So okay. we'll we'll lead with that. Harrison Bucker did not miss an extra point in this game. Hey, so he was five for five. I actually tweeted during the game. I was like, the thing about having a shootout is like, you know, if you're going to score like six touchdowns in this game, and you're also going to let the other side score like six touchdowns in this game, that puts you <laughs> better, in a pretty precarious position. Better hit your you gotta, extra points. You got to hit all your extra points. And to his credit, he did hit all the extra points and. They needed them. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, Carr threw an interception on the last drive of the game. But if, if Bucker had missed an extra point, that's a three-point game, and the Raiders only need a field goal. And, you know, Carr's whole approach on that last drive might have been different Certainly. if he's driving down to try and get them into field goal range as opposed to needing to get them into the end zone to get the lead back. And so – Shout out to Harrison Bucker. Uh, there were some close. There was some close calls. There were. He put two of them pretty close to the right <laughs> upright, uh, but but he got all five of them through. So that was. Hey close. man, cut him a break. He's only missed six extra points this year. <laughs> That's preposterous. The NFL um, record is eight. 
that's that's let's hope he doesn't get there uh but the rest of the special teams taylor was a disaster like like always um you know i was looking at our our numbers uh in terms of field position, because if you just watch the game, this is where our lying eyes lie to us and deceive us. If you watched every Chiefs game this year, as you and I both have, mm-hmm. you would expect that the Chiefs' starting field position would be just terrible, and that their opponent's field position, conversely, would be amazing. That like every drive for the opponent starts on the forty, and every Chiefs drive starts on the ten. That actually is not the case. In fact. The Chiefs' average start is on their own 29.3-yard line, and their opponent's average start is on the 25.7-yard line. So actually, the Chiefs have have had better average starting field position than the other team, which seems impossible. Uh, it was Doesn't not that probably have more to do with the defense than the special teams. It, it does. That's every I, drive. Yes, I agree with that. There, there definitely is something to that. There, there's also the fact that that we have turned the ball over at a uh, 7% clip, 7% yeah. of our drives, we have turned the ball over. Whereas our opponents have turned the ball over 14 and a half percent of the time. Nice. That's definitely a big part of it too. But uh, the special teams in this game was a disaster. Again, the coverage units were bad every single return. I mean, it's basically the return game, but let's get this. Yeah. Let's, let's well, get and Bucker kicked one out of bounds. He's done that before. I had forgotten completely about that, but yes, that was also terrible. And he kicked it out of bounds because the chiefs were trying to get cute and yeah. like kick the ball down to the one. Yeah. He banged one through the uprights on the opening kickoff. Yeah. And then they Tobe for whatever reason thought it would be cute to have Bucker like drop the ball on the one on the right side of the end zone. And he just missed and kicked it out of bounds. Like, what is the point? Like I get the idea there is that you're going to try and force them to return it and then pop them. I don't really understand the logic though, Taylor, because we clearly like Bucker has the leg to get a touchback every single time he kicks the ball. Right. So whenever we let the other team return it, it's because Dave Tobe is like, well, we want to let the other team return it. And that's because you want to try and stuff them inside where they get a touchback and force a fumble or force a fumble. We'll get a turnover. But the logic is just so internally inconsistent because if the, if you want the other team to return the ball, you know, like, because you feel like you can put them in worse starting field position or whatever it is, why are you returning the ball, right? Like, <laughs> it, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the Chiefs returners are terrible. The The whole the whole philosophy doesn't make any sense to me. Now, the Chiefs have one return touchdown this year. Yep. They, they got a kick return, Byron Pringle, against the Broncos. Okay, so, you know, like, if you're going to bring the ball out, that's why you're doing it is so that you can occasionally break a touchdown. But like, why, like was, were all of these holding penalties and blocks in the back and all this crappy field position that we have to deal with, is that worth the one kick return touchdown that we're going to get this year against the Broncos in a game that we won by like 26 <laughs> points? No, of course no, not. It's, no. it's preposterous. We should just kick the ball out of the end zone every time on kickoffs and we should conversely take a knee or fair catch every single time. Yeah. Don't return the ball. It's stupid. Yeah. They should work it out of the game plan. That's probably fair. I think part of what you're seeing is probably Dave Tobe's belief that his unit is better than their performance and, you know, factor fiction there. um, He's been a successful special teams 
coordinator for a long time and he had a gigantic stretch his whole career until the Baltimore game. He didn't allow a special teams return against him. And I think he probably goes into a game plan with quite a bit of swagger and thinks that, all right, we're going to be the difference this week. We're going to pop a big return. We're going to stuff. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's clearly not showing up in the actual games, at least not enough. And whether that's some sort of scheme mismatch or whether I don't, they hold on literally every return, every Every single one. And when that's happening, that's a failure by the special teams to understand Uh, what a hold is. I mean, that's coaching. That's, that's not one guy that's getting the hold every time. That is Dave is not emphasizing enough to these guys that when you hold on a return, it literally doesn't matter what else happens. We started the 10 yard line. The offense is behind the eight ball right away. Like it's just, it's such a detriment to be doing that. And yet, especially in this Oakland or Oakland in this uh, Vegas game, <laughs> they, they just set the chiefs up. The chiefs had six drives of 70 yards or more in this game, which is insane. They had the one that was the interception and then the other five were touchdown drives. And it's just, that's not what you would expect or what you should expect your offense to be able to overcome. Like you just shouldn't be set up that deep in their own territory every single time. And fortunately the chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and fortunately they're able to overcome that and sustain a long drive and punch it into the end zone and win the game and score 35 points and all that stuff. But it's, it's a failure on Dave Tobe's part for sure. And it's something that if they don't get it turned around, the special teams will lose the chiefs a ball game. No question in my mind, if this is the performance they put out moving forward, it is going to cost the Chiefs. This is a good transition. I like that because let's talk about the offense that Mm, despite being put in a hole by the defense, which couldn't stop anybody, and the special teams, which put them in a huge disadvantage (laughs) on virtually every drive. This This is what the Chiefs did in this game. So the first drive of the game, the Chiefs started on their own 15. They took 14 plays to go down 85 yards, score a touchdown. The second drive of the game, they got the ball on their own 27, seven plays, three minutes, 44 seconds, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Then they had a a drive that started off with uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, who I guess oh. we, we can just get him out of the way right now. No uh, shit. He was terrible in this game, except he did have a clutch fourth down conversion later in the game. That does not absolve him from all no. the stupid crap that he did in this game, including this this game. He caught the ball. He did that thing that you and I both hate that we always talk about where he, he goes backwards thinking he's going to get more yards. He, in the course of going backwards, sticks his hand on the defender's face mask. And so he not only loses yardage, he also gets a penalty. So this drive started the Chiefs 25. It goes backwards four yards and they have to punt. And then the fourth drive of the game, they start in their own 13. They move the ball 73 yards. They get all the way down into the red zone on the other end. And Demarcus Robinson again, and Pat was pretty diplomatic about this in the post game. Uh, he said, you know, that he read the play one way and Demarcus, they, they both were kind of doing, uh, you know, the post snap as the play developed kind of reads because the chiefs do give their wide receivers a lot of latitude to kind of adjust the play as they see fit. And that fits with a quarterback like Mahomes, who's, who's very good off schedule and so on and so forth. Didn't work in this instance because Demarcus shook his guy, made him fall down and then, didn't go to where he was supposed to go and Pat threw it directly to the defender who then stood up and caught the ball. And 
man, that sucked. But that was a drive that started on 13 that could very easily have been a touchdown if DeMarcus is in the right place at the right time. Then, after half, Chiefs get a drive starting on their own seven. They go 93 yards for a touchdown. Then they had to punt. The own next seven. Team, yeah. They, uh, they started on their own nine was their next touchdown drive after that. So they had touchdown drives in this game of 85, 73, 93, 91, and 75. My I God. Mean, there's one of those drives <laughs> that was that was started at their own 25 all the rest of them you know and one at the 27 but man three uh, touchdown drives of 85 or more yards in this game unbelievable performance by the Chiefs and obviously none more clutch than the last drive of the game which was kind of a new situation for Pat <laughs> yeah it's um you know Carr goes down there and hits old man Witten to take the lead with a minute 43. And I think everyone, especially after the playoff run that the chiefs had, everybody knew minute 43 down three with Mahomes with the ball. That's probably a minute 42 long. Like it's just it, but um, you know, be that as it may, it was a, it was a comeback drive and the chiefs haven't found themselves, like you said, really down much lately at all. They've been, they've been handling business and obviously a nine and one team isn't going to be facing too many deficits, but um, they Mahomes was so surgical on this final drive. He was, he knew every single play. He was just, he hits Tyree kill for 10 Tyree kill for nine McCole Hardman for 16. That was about the only time McCole Hardman showed up in this game. I don't know if he's feeling, do you know why that is? Cause uh, I actually, I, I, it, like, it is so he's he was just still the, because he came off the COVID list. He was the emergency break glass. Oh, and Byron Pringle were in this game, and then when Pringle got uh, hurt, that was when he started to show up. So I was wondering that too. I was like, McColl, I have not heard his name literally all night, but that's why he gotcha. He came in in relief of uh, Byron Pringle. We'll talk about that in uh, when we get to the news. But he he came out of this game with an injury. So gotcha. Let's play then- by McColl. Yes, for sure. And then Mahomes hits eventual 2020 Offensive Player of the Year, Travis Kelsey, for 15 yards. And Daryl Williams was in the game on the second to last play of the game. Sure, why not? Daryl Williams. With Clyde and with, uh, you know, Clyde and and Le'Veon has had three total touchdowns in this game. And Le'Veon didn't really run a ton, but Clyde certainly had a good game. I'm not entirely sure why Daryl Williams is the – not only is he out there, maybe they like his pass protection, but why is Patrick throwing him the ball? I mean, I guess I don't know. I guess check down or whatever. Anyways, so then he certainly didn't do very much with it, despite having quite a bit of space. Correct to work with on that and, play, but and then the Chiefs call their final timeout, and I'm thinking they're 22 yards away with 34 seconds left, and they're down three. So in that situation, after their final timeout, I'm thinking, damn, they've got like one play before they have to kick the game tying field goal and send this to overtime. Because if they get tackled in the middle of the field here, they've obviously got to run up and spike and all that stuff. But Mahomes drifts to the right in the pocket and Jonathan Abram bless his heart. He uh, (laughs) we're not very big fans of him because he's a punk ass bitch basically. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, he thought Mahomes was going to run like an idiot and he comes forward and leaves eventual 2020 offensive player of the year, Travis Kelsey, all by his lonesome ridiculous. for the game-winning 22-yard pass. Uh, Sorensen picks off Carr, like you said, on the final Raiders drive, and Chiefs kneel it out. 
we just have to we have to break down this play a little bit because Jonathan Abram. I, I, let's be frank, the Raiders' defense is pretty bad, and uh, there's not a lot of guys on the Raiders' defense that are like household names in Chiefs' kingdom. I don't feel yeah. like yeah, Jonathan Abram is, but for like all the wrong reasons, right? Like he's <laughs> always he's constantly hitting people late. He's always getting flagged for it. Like he he had an extremely dirty play against Tyreek in week five where he hit him like a full second before the ball got there yeah, and was not flagged for it. It was ridiculous. Uh, and in fact, whatever Jabroni was on the call was like, Oh, that's a good play. It's like, it wasn't a no. good play. It was, it was obvious pass interference. It was he, an illegal play. He hit the shit out of him. He hit the shit out of Tyreek late after Tyreek had gone out of bounds in this game and was flagged for that. And he just is uh it's fascinating. Um, if you've been on Twitter, I've, I've definitely have retweeted this a couple of times, the the dots, you know, where they show the player tracking data and everything like that. Uh-huh. It's just so funny to watch the play materialize because as soon as Mahomes breaks the pocket and starts heading towards the line of scrimmage, Abram was like, I'm going to kill Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to end his <laughs> life right here, right now. I'm going to go helmet to helmet. I'm going to spear him. I'm going to break him in half. And literally the second he breaks, Mahomes is like, you dumb bitch. I got you right where I want you. And he just drops it right over his head. There's literally no one near Travis Kelsey. And I think uh, maybe Damon Arnett was the closest defender. And you see him just like, he literally like throws up his arms. He's like, what are we doing guys? Like Jonathan, what are you doing, bro? Like I'm over here guarding whoever I'm supposed to be guarding. And Travis Kelsey, there's literally nobody within 10 yards of Travis no. Kelsey, no, which is insane. Because the Raiders course, defense was socially distancing hard on that play. They were. And eventual offensive player of the year, Travis Kelsey, had in this game, Taylor, I, I, I mean, total in this game, he had 10 targets, eight receptions for 127 yards and a touchdown. So prior to that play, which was a 22-yard touchdown, he already had 105 yards in this game. Ooh, quick All math, right? good. It's, it's like – it's as well as a uh, pass attempt, a pass completion, by the way, we can't, we can't uh, short him his pass. Pringle should have punched in if he takes the right, the right read on that. He did. And he had to really fight to get the first down, but he did get it, but it was a beautiful play design. In any case, the point is this Taylor, Travis Kelsey has brutalized the Raiders for years and he brutalized the Raiders again in this game. And he is currently the third leading receiver or the third, Leading receiver third right, in the behind. NFL, 16 yards the behind DeAndre third, Hopkins and 10 yards behind Stephon Diggs. He is the third leading receiver in the entire NFL, not a tight end. Just he, he has the third most receiving yards of any player. And somehow on the most critical play of the game, <laughs> the Raiders found a way to just completely not cover him at all, which was amazing and a total gift. And, man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they had seen something on tape that, you know, or if, if Mahomes just knew that Abram and his nature would want to come up and try and, you know, hit a bitch, but it didn't work out for him. <laughs> no. And it, I don't know if uh, anybody would have felt comfortable with that game going to overtime, the way both defenses were no. not able to stop a nosebleed. Yeah. And, flip a coin. It's, and it's so, like yeah. the end of Charity McDennis. That's it, literally like. It, it, it exactly right. And it'd be also like the end of the 2018 AFC championship game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, when you're not able to stop something like when you're not able to stop the other team, 
punching that in for seven instead of settling for the game tying field goal, which the Chiefs easily could have done, and and I'm sure um, still would have felt okay with their chances of winning that game in overtime. But it just it just shows that Mahomes is out there for your throat every single time, and Kelsey is unbelievable, and his his ability to still find soft spots in zones and still be able to have that connection with Patrick and they're just, they're the best quarterback to receiver combination. Maybe, maybe second by uh, Mahomes and Hill, but easily in the NFL, they're just, they're unbelievable. I, I am so blown away by, and you know, Tyreek is sitting on the year with 752 yards and 10 touchdowns and Kelsey has 896 and seven. They could have a pair of a thousand yard, 10 touchdown receivers, and I mean, no one will be surprised. They're the they're the best one two weapons in the NFL. Better than DK and Lockett. Better than uh, who would be two there? Yeah, I mean they're yeah, they're, um, Kyler and Nook maybe. You well, I'm thinking there, sure. I'm thinking Tyreek oh, ty- and Kelsey about, yeah. are the best one two. Oh, you know, sure. The best two weapons that anybody's got. Um, yeah. They're just they're just a, such a horrible matchup for everybody. I, I love watching them. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is on pace for 1,433 yards Oof. receiving, which uh, which is insane. I don't know what the single season – what's the sing- – is that the well, single Kittle, season record for tight end? Because well, Kittle good. got um, – when Kelsey finished 20 – I guess that was 18. Yeah. With, yeah, it was. Kittle had 1377 that year. Yeah, so and he only Travis beat Kelsey, him by 40 or 50 yards or whatever that Travis was. Travis Kelsey so. is on pace to obliterate the tight end receiving record by like yeah. 60 yards. Yeah. and. He's probably going to finish with double-digit touchdowns, which he's only done once before in his career. I mean, this is this is a we're witnessing a historic uh, career best season for Travis Kelsey, and he's 31 years old. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a, it's amazing. And you, I don't know if the Chiefs knew that this exactly is what was coming, but um, you know they they had some ideas about what they were getting when they extended him earlier this year. I know Certainly. that was a little bit of a surprise to some people, but man, he looks amazing. And uh, we've previously done some work I've written on what the aging curve looks like for tight ends um, that have the pedigree that Travis Kelsey does. And there's no reason to think that he won't continue to be productive for many years to come, but boy, uh, we're going to put a pin in this one, Taylor. The Chiefs win 35 to 31. They're nine and one. They're three games up on the Raiders, who are six and four in the AFC West, with six games to play. And so, as long as the Chiefs take care of business and they don't lose more than three games, the Raiders have no chance of getting back into the division race. This is a big win. Huge. Let's talk some news. We mentioned news, Byron Pringle. News, news. News. I haven't done that. News. We'll oh, yeah, in a bit. sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I was slow on the uptake there because we haven't done that in a bit. Um, Byron Pringle went to the IR this year. That means he's out for at least three weeks. I've not seen how serious it is. It was an ankle injury he suffered in this game. That's why McCole Hardman was in on the final drive. Um, but he is going to be on the IR, so he's going to miss for sure at least three weeks. That is kind of hurting the Chiefs a little bit because who That's knows? no big deal. The special teams is doing fine. Don't, yeah, don't well, pick it up without him. Not only that, but uh, we don't know when Sammy Watkins is going to be back. Jesus uh, Christ. We haven't, we haven't mentioned his name, but he was off the injury report for one day. <laughs> it's probably like four hours. He practiced fully for, I think, one practice session last week before hurting himself again 
in practice the following day and then missing the game. Poor Sammy. I don't know what his status is for this week against the Bucks. I have not heard yet, but uh, that does get the uh, get the wide receiver depth a little bit thin. Marcus Kemp, I think, is currently fourth on the depth chart at wide receiver, which is not where you want to be. Uh, that, no. that, would, that would make Demarcus is number two and probably McColl is number three. Um, it's not ideal. Uh, Garrick Dieter was activated and elevated to the active roster, so you know maybe we're going to see Sheepdog out there. Uh, Get well soon, Byron Pringle. And get well soon, Sammy Watkins. We didn't talk about this at all somehow last week. Uh, It kind of got lost in the shuffle of Raiders week and everything that was going on. But the Chiefs signed DeAndre Baker, cornerback, former Giant. I am going to have to dive into the whole legal situation and break that down for you guys. I I promise I will do that at some point. But long story short, Taylor, uh, he was arrested and he was charged with robbing a bunch of people at gunpoint. And then at a barbecue, yeah, at a barbecue with Quandre Diggs, uh, uh-huh. the Seahawk, uh, or uh, no, Quentin Dunbar, I think it was. Quentin Dunbar, that is correct. Quandre Diggs is also Seahawk, so that was that was like a high level error, yes. I think there, but that yeah, that's right. So, uh, long story short, uh, last week all of his charges were dropped, and in fact, the attorney that was representing some of the victims in this case was charged with extortion. So there's a story there. I'll dive into it. But the point is he was cleared of all charges and very promptly after that got on a plane to Kansas city and we got our guy. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Anytime that your team, the chiefs in this case, take a shot at a guy that is a buy low, but potentially high ceiling guy. And that's exactly what happened here. He is a recent first round draft pick that obviously um, had a situation where the Giants had to had to let him go. And then turned out that that was a mistake on the Giants part. And much like the Browns picking up Kareem Hunt, although Kareem actually did. Yeah, Kareem, Kareem did him, it. But, yeah, he, he's but on video. Football terms, it's the same type of deal where yep. a guy is, you know, if you bring a guy in and if he plays up to his potential and doesn't get in any more trouble, it's a boon for the team. And that's what Baker is. Uh, he's not going to come in and set the world on fire right away. Uh, he's got a lot of, you know, a lot of catching up to do as a football player. And it's just a fun project for the chiefs. It's like taco Charlton. And it's, you know, it's that type of situation where you've got a guy that maybe just wasn't in the right spot. Maybe he just didn't have the right coaching or he wasn't quite motivated or something like that. And if you change the scenery up, sometimes that can do wonders for a guy and Baker's young and the chiefs certainly could use more cornerback help. Um, And it's kind of like, getting a free first round draft pick a little bit. I mean, obviously chiefs wouldn't get his services from last year or this year, but um, they can pay him whatever they want. And it's just a fun, uh, it's a fun move by Brett Veach. He continues to show that he's doing everything he can kicking every tire on someone, anyone that can help the chiefs win. And I just love that about Brett that he's not afraid to take chances. Uh, some minor news on the offensive line side. Stefan Wisniewski is back, a Super Bowl starter for the Chiefs. He was recently released from the Steelers with an injury. I think it was a pec injury. Does that sound right? Uh, he is back with the Chiefs and may find himself on the active roster soon because Mitch Schwartz, after going like, what, six, seven straight years without missing a single snap yeah. in the NFL, is now on the injured reserve and will be out for at least three games. He's got a back injury. 
that's always a little bit scary with offensive linemen. And we don't know a whole lot about what's actually going on with him other than he has a back injury. Uh, but Martinez Rankin was activated from the COVID list. So he's going to be, uh, well, not the COVID list, but just regular the, IR, right? Yeah, just regular IR. He yeah. had an injury early in the year. So he's back as well. So the Chiefs are getting some reinforcements to hopefully paper up the large hole at right tackle left by all pro Mitchell Schwartz, at least for the next three games. So get well soon, Mitch. But those other guys, we're glad to have them back, especially Wisniewski. He did a good job for us last year. Taylor, it's Thanksgiving, and that means it's time to start looking at the playoff picture because we're pretty deep into it now. Uh, We have a pretty good idea of which teams are out of it, even the ones that maybe haven't necessarily been mathematically eliminated. So I'm going to give you the current playoff standings here, and then I want to kind of break down, you know, where where you're at with these teams, who you kind of see as – legitimate threats to the chiefs. I mean, to the extent that any team is a legitimate threat to the chiefs in the AFC and right. who, who doesn't really scare you that much. So obviously the Steelers are 10 and zero. they play the Ravens on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. So that game might be over by the time you all listen to this episode depends on how fast Taylor can edit, but mm-hmm. the, and how fast you uh, click that listen button, tell your right. friends. Uh, but they're currently 10 and 0. They're playing the Ravens. The Ravens have a bunch of idiots on COVID right now, so they're <laughs> they're, doing, they're doing a great job. They're uh, they're they're giving us a lot of help. Steelers are currently 10 and 0. The Chiefs are 9 and 1, so they're one game behind the Steelers. If the Steelers drop a game to an AFC opponent or a common opponent with the Chiefs, Chiefs are very likely going to pick up the tiebreaker there. We can get into that further down the road if that scenario arises, but the Chiefs are in a good situation as far as tiebreakers are concerned. Bills, Colts, Titans, and Browns are all seven and three, and they are seated in that order just due to their division winning. Uh, Bills and Colts are division leaders. Titans and Browns are wild cards at this point. And then the Raiders at six and four, who hold tiebreakers over the six and four Ravens, who are currently out of the playoffs, and the six and four Dolphins, who are currently out of the playoffs. Raiders have tiebreakers over each of those teams. So if the season ended today, the Raiders would be the seventh seed. They would play the Chiefs, who are currently the two seed. So that's that's where we're at as of spicy. November 24th. It is spicy. Maybe a little bit too spicy for me, but we'll talk about that in a second. The next tier below the Ravens, Dolphins, and Raiders at 6-4 and four are the Broncos mm-hmm. and the Patriots, who are 4-6. and six. Those, realistically, I mean, neither of those teams is is in contention here, right? Like, I mean, they're technically not out of it, but it would take – it would take a wild turn of events for either of those teams to get into it. So really we've got nine teams, Steelers, Chiefs, Bills, Colts, Titans, Browns, Raiders, Ravens, and Dolphins. I've got my rankings, Taylor, kind of which of these teams scare me the least and which of them scare me the most, but I'm curious where you stand on, on this sure. situation. Yep. Um, so do we want to, let's just kind of, talk about each team and where we rank them as we talk about them. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. So let's start with the team that I believe both of us would most like to face out of those eight opponents. And that's the Cleveland Browns. They are led by a quarterback that is no longer good. I don't know if he ever was good, but he certainly is not good at this point. Um, They do have a dangerous rushing attack and that's always, you know, kind of the, the scary bugaboo in December and January is, is you got to run the football to win the games. In this case, I think the chiefs would absolutely clown the Browns. Um, I'm not scared of that team at all. I would put them number one and I assuming you do too. 
I'm in full agreement there. I, the Browns do not scare me at all. They're seven and three, but they have actually have a point differential of minus 23. They have a worse, they have a worse point differential than the chargers who are at minus 13 and the chargers are three and seven and the Browns Oof. are seven and three. Oof. So that's just classic chargers there. Chargers but, uh, it's, it's the new Browns. They're seven and three with a minus 23 point differential. They're not a very good team. Their defense isn't that good and their offense isn't that good. It's kind of hard to understand what it is exactly that they do well, <laughs> but uh, they would not really scare me in that same kind of mold. Uh, the dolphins to me would be my next team. And I don't know where you stand on them. They're currently out of the playoffs at six and four. They're playing really well. And they do have two things that they do really well. Unlike the Browns, they have a very good defense. They have very good special teams. But that offense just doesn't scare me at all. They just lost to the reason they're on the outside looking in is because they just lost to the Broncos who are terrible. So I, I just, I, the dolphins, they don't really scare me. Yep. I have them second as well. I think that um, the quarterback matchup there would at least intrigue me about that. Uh, the chiefs are going to see the dolphins before a playoff matchup. So um, we can see a little bit better about how that shakes out, but I definitely think that Tua's still got some growing to do. Uh, Fitz can, can bite you. He can, as the Patriots found out in week 17 last year, if you let him, he can have a good game and, and, you know, Devonte Parker's fine. And, and, but in, in general, and they do have the, t- the best corner combination in the NFL for sure. Xavier Howard and Byron, Byron Jones. Jones are yeah. unbelievable. And, but that being said, um, I don't think they have the horses to hang with playoff chiefs. So I would put Miami second as well there. I think my third team is going to surprise a lot of people a third out of eight here that I would like to face. But I'm picking the team that the Chiefs are 3-0 and against here. I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens. I, okay. I look yes. at the remaining six teams, and I think about how comfortable I would be in a matchup with that team. And, you know, if Lamar was still doing his Lamar stuff, it'd be one thing. We still beat Lamar when he was at peak Lamar. I mean, right. when he was MVP, unanimous MVP. Chiefs still took care of business. But this version just – doesn't scare me. He's just not able to pass the football anymore. And he doesn't really have anybody to pass to. Like, I'm sure if you put Lamar on the chiefs, he would look like unbelievable, but he's not, he's on the Ravens and he's thrown to Willie Sneed and Hollywood Brown instead of Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. Um, Mark Andrews is fine. Their defense doesn't scare me nearly as much as I, they did early in the year. They haven't been able to stop a lot of people lately. Um, I, I like the matchup with Baltimore. I've got them third. Where do you have them? Yeah, I I had the Titans third, but I can't disagree with any of your reasoning with the Ravens. I they stink right now. Um, uh, Lamar he is not throwing the ball well. Their offensive line uh, with Marshall Yonda retiring and then Ronnie Stanley or Ronnie Staley. I I can never remember Staley. I think okay. Right? I, I think that's or right. Am I thinking of Deuce Staley? I, there's there's Staley. a lot of Staleys in the NFL and a lot of Stanleys in the it's NFL. Stanley. It's Stanley. Okay. I would have said Staley. That's that's what I'm talking about. Uh, he is on IR. He had just signed a huge deal, and they lost him for the year. Their left tackle. So their offensive line is not nearly as good as it was last year. There's a lot of rumblings that, you know, Greg Roman is getting figured out just like he did in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. They don't really scare me at all either. It just is – I kind of had them a spot higher than you did just out of respect for what they did last year when they were 14-2. and two. But to your point, even last year, the Chiefs obviously beat them and then beat right. them again week three of this year when they were 2-0. and So 
So you had them I fourth, had the, and I had them I, third. Yes, I had Got them it. fourth. I had the Titans third. The Titans just beat the Ravens, and they are playing better football than the Ravens are right now for sure. But, uh, you know, this is another team, obviously, the Chiefs beat last year on their way to the playoffs. The Titans can't pressure the quarterback, and I feel like a team that can't pressure the quarterback is going to have a really hard time <laughs> with us. Uh, they're – their secondary is fine, but they just don't have they they are the worst team in the NFL on third down on defense. And we have literally the greatest third down quarterback <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> he is he is miles and miles better than every other quarterback in the NFL on third down. And the Titans are literally like the worst third down defense ever. So I feel like that would be a very bad matchup for the Titans. Their offense, you know, they've got some pieces, Tannehill, obviously, Derrick Henry, but they don't really scare me all that much. That Sammy Watkins bomb in the AFC Championship game was on third down. I think they would be seeing a lot more of that in in that rematch. I just, you know, they they don't really match up well with the Chiefs. They just don't really do the things that, that bother the Chiefs. The Chiefs shut down Derrick Henry in the playoffs last year. Um, now, obviously – week nine last year that was a different story or but either way um i like that i like tennessee there at third for you i had tennessee fifth um but i do think that the fourth and fifth teams i'm pretty interchangeable with um i've got the bills at, at, at slightly better matchup than tennessee and i think part of that slightly more desirable matchup part of that is just the memory of that monday afternoon game that the chiefs looked really, really good in and the bills didn't come with a good game plan and Clyde ran all over them. And it was just um, Josh Allen doesn't really seem like he's quite in MVP mode anymore, although he's still having a hell of a good season for him. Um, I don't see the bills doing a lot to be able to really bother the chiefs. Um, Certainly would be a tougher matchup than uh, some of the teams we listed before that, but I had, Tennessee fifth and you had them third. And then I have my next team is Buffalo at fourth. Where'd you have Buffalo? I had Buffalo uh, at, I guess it would be fifth. Um, okay. So right on the same. Yeah. yeah we've kind of got the Titans Ravens bills here. We just have them in a different yep. order. And I think your comments on the bills are well taken. The funny thing about Josh Allen is like, he looked like the old Josh Allen when we played him and then he's looked good against other teams. So it's yeah. kind of like, is Josh Allen good or do we just know how to shut him down? Like what exactly is the deal yeah, he there? Beat the Seahawks. I mean, that was a pretty good, pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And he, he played and the Seahawks defense is very bad, but he yeah. shredded them. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, they just have a different, I don't know. They, they're kind of a little bit of an unknown and they're kind of dangerous. Like their defense was really good last year. It's kind of like, you know, if they showed up and they were able to play sure. a good defensive game and Josh Allen He's he's the classic Charlie Kelly wild card. Like he's capable of anything, right? So like he could cut the brakes, you know. Like he could just you know stare at you, whatever it would be. Um, they're they're a little bit of a wild card for me. So I, I had them a little bit higher on the list. Um, so then our top tier, it sounds like our top three teams are the same: Colts, Raiders, and Steelers. And can we agree that the Colts are kind of at the bottom of that tier? Uh, we cannot. Oh, really? Yep. I've got, I, I personally would feel better about facing the Steelers than the Colts. Interesting. Yep. Um, it's just kind of, uh, part of it is I think about, 
uh, recent matchups with the the recent matchup with Pittsburgh, 2018 week two. It was a long time ago. Worst defense for Pittsburgh, but I do yeah, um, like a like way like a miles difference. difference. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I still feel that the Steelers have kind of been playing with a little bit of smoke and mirrors this year. They've kind of skated through with some close victories against bad teams that they've pulled out, you know. And and I don't really think now their their defense is excellent. I mean, best defense in the NFL probably. And they, they do have some good weapons. I really like Chase Claypool, um, but I don't really see Ben getting in a shootout with Patrick and keeping up. I just don't really no. think that's a, a situation that scares me a ton. And I also don't think Pittsburgh is the type to like grind it out and like, you know, James Connor, three, <laughs> three yards in a cloud of dust. Like they don't really, that's not really the Steelers of today. And I just, I feel good about playing the Steelers. I guess part of that when I think about the Steelers versus the other two teams is that um, I just feel the other two teams are more familiar with us, especially Phillip Rivers on the Colts. If this sure. were Jacoby Brissett or whoever, it'd be one thing. But I think that the that Rivers and the Raiders both kind of are used to us and, and our tricks and stuff. And so I've got Pittsburgh as my sixth team. At the bottom of this tier. See, I have them at the top of this tier. And I I think that's pretty much just a recognition that they have an elite unit. I mean, like the the best unit on any of these three teams is the Steelers defense. Uh, But you're right. the best unit of any of these teams in in the playoffs that's not the Chiefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. But, but, you know, they – they don't, and they don't have a lot of glaring weaknesses. Like the Raiders, for instance, their defense is absolutely terrible. The Colts, I guess, don't really have any glaring weaknesses, but they do have Phillip Rivers as their quarterback. I mean, I think he's I'm looked not, better this year. Yeah, he has. He has because he's behind like one of the, the best, best offensive line. line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Steelers don't really scare me. I mean, you said that you're not afraid of the Steelers. I'm not really afraid of any of these teams. No. The the Raiders are in this tier despite being six and four. They're currently the seventh seed because they are the only team on this list to have beaten the Chiefs in the last uh-huh. cal- calendar year. And so they deserve a modicum of respect from us because they, you know, like it's hard to be scared of a team that you haven't seen beat you recently. And none of these teams have done that except for the Raiders. So that's why I ranked the Raiders last. Yep. I would, I do not want to play the Raiders again. I know some people do. I'm not interested in it. I don't need the bragging rights. The chiefs have plenty of bragging bragging rights over the Raiders recently. That's not a game that, that fires me up in the playoffs. It's, it's the worst case scenario is losing to the Raiders in the playoffs. That's worse than not making the playoffs. That is the absolute doomsday scenario, just as it was losing to them in a home game in week five. That's the one this year that, that the chiefs shouldn't have lost in the regular season. And, um, I have seen them play the Chiefs two times harder than I've seen a lot of teams play the Chiefs over the last calendar year, and I have no interest in seeing that again. You know what's wild, too, especially for you and I, who famously, like, we did a roast of Derek Carr on, like, the fifth or sixth episode of this podcast back in February or March. But We've roasted him basically every week since. Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback in the AFC playoff field besides Hmm. Patrick Mahomes, at least playing this year. I mean, Josh Allen is, is up there. I guess Ryan Tannehill is up there. Lamar, the way he's playing right now is nowhere close. Obviously, obviously uh, Baker Baker. to, uh, no rivers, rivers and big Ben. I mean, yeah, 
I, yeah. Statistically, it would be really hard to make the case against Derek Carr being the second best quarterback in the AFC playoff field, which is crazy. Yeah. But I, I, it, I, it just is hard. Probably would take Ben at this point over Carr. Oh, well, and I guess take is a weird way of saying it. But I, sure. I still think Ben is probably a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Um, but it's it's close, and it's crazy that it's close. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, he's been – Carr has been so bad for his entire career up until this year, and he's just kind of figured something out. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he'll continue to figure it out or if he's just kind of blacked out and is like, like, oh, my God, I'm playing good, and I have no idea how I'm doing it. I'm not throwing the ball away on fourth down, and I'm not crying in, after, in the turf after getting sacked. I don't know what the deal is, but um, I hope he kind of loses it. It's, it's not fun. What? What makes the Raiders scary, and I think like uh, the only thing that would earn them the top spot, because it's not it's not really the raw numbers, uh, you know, or even the raw personnel. But like, like you said, like we talked about uh, when we we recap the game. I mean, the Raiders clearly really don't like us, and no, not at all, and and really want to beat us. And like, obviously, we're talking about a playoff matchup. Like every every team wants to win in the playoffs, right? And get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Problem is the Raiders, like their level of intensity <laughs> in the two regular season games we played with them has already been like way playoff. higher than I would expect for it's any been playoff atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like more intense than a playoff atmosphere <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. And so I would be I would be a little bit afraid of what that intensity level would be. And maybe, maybe it would be a bad thing. I mean, listen, like you sure. definitely can be over emotional. You can be over emotional. Jonathan Abram, uh, you know, he, uh, he got a little over emotional on that last play of the game he when did. he was supposed to be covering Travis Kelsey and he wanted to come up and pop our quarterback instead. I don't know. I, <laughs> well, I think there's everyone wants to win, but not everyone wants to beat you specifically. Yes. And, yep. and while the chiefs would have that same, motivation to beat the Raiders while while clearly this game means a ton to the Chiefs clearly that's that's not but it probably means more to the Raiders the it Chiefs just won does. the Super Bowl it definitely does this is this is does. the one if they can knock the Chiefs off even if if the Raiders beat the Chiefs and then lost in the AFC championship game or whatever they would feel better about that oh my playoff God, they, result yeah. than if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl like yes. for us like yes. we Yep. They just have more to win by beating the Chiefs, and and it's uh and it's dangerous. They're backed into a corner. They're yep. yeah, and because they're a division rival, I mean, it all comes back to that, right? Like the 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 bragging rights you get from knocking off the Chiefs, like any of these teams beating the Chiefs, the reigning champions, yep. it would be a big deal, and it would mean a lot to them. But they wouldn't be rubbing our noses in it no. because they don't play us two no. times a year every year. And so I agree, they're they're dangerous. I. I don't need to play them again. If we do, it'll be fine. I'm sure we'll beat them, but I would, I would prefer not to. Now, if we play them again and we beat them, that obviously would be amazing for all the <laughs> reasons. Obviously, for all the reasons that it would be amazing for them if they beat us, it would Can be great. Can you imagine a Chiefs Raiders AFC Championship game I, after the first oh two games God. that we've had? Ugh. Uh, yeah, let's let's put a pin in that one. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't go there right now. It's just too intense. We got a. Uh, we got a couple of mailbag questions, Taylor. We want to. Okay. We want to give back. We've been trying to do a couple mailbag questions a week, and we got one from uh, a new convert to the Chiefs Kingdom uh, at Chiefs Cody. Got oh. A little, little turncoat. So uh, maybe go follow him at Chiefs Cody. Actually, I think it's at Chief Cody. Yep. So welcome him to the Chiefs Kingdom. He writes. 
longtime listener, first time mailbag for IASIC. What are the top five things a new Chiefs convert needs to do in order to gain legitimacy as a fan? So welcome, Chiefs Cody. We, uh, we've converted you over and uh, nice avatar. We love your AVI on Twitter. That's a, mm-hmm. a good looking picture. Uh, listen, the five things that you need to do to gain legitimacy as a fan. So first and foremost, this is of religious importance. You must declare that Patrick Mahomes is the one true goat and you must put no other quarterbacks before him. All right. That's what you got to, that's what you got to stop. Now, number two, and this might be a little bit tough, but you, you can find a way, right? This, this is uh, this is possible to do in 2020. You got to find a way to backdate some tweets or something. So you got some receipts from the dark times, right? Like whenever somebody, that's accuses good. me, whenever somebody accuses me of bandwagoning, which people love to do, they obviously know nothing about me, but they're like, Oh, you just became a Chiefs fan last year because of Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Listen, we're bandwagoning this podcast. We're, we're definitely front runners. We started a podcast after we won the Super all right there's no getting around it we started a podcast because it was really fun to talk about the Chiefs because we just won the Super Bowl right like we literally exchanged texts on Sunday night that we weren't <laughs> going to do a show this week <laughs> if we lost the game <laughs> okay but you and I have been through some shit I have a tweet from 2010 that I like to pull out uh I'm just going to read the tweet here it's it's actually sad it says uh this was the first year that I was on Twitter by the way 2010 Matt Castle QB rating 98.8 Philip Rivers 103.3 Castle only has one wide receiver, parentheses, Bo, and Castle played appendixless. New poster boy for tough, question mark. Oh, that this is a, saucy. Uh, saucy. I was, I, was, I was really hyping the Castle train. The, the new poster boy for tough, uh, that was a comment. I can still remember this video uh, that Trent Dilfer made in 2010 about Philip Rivers, which was obviously completely oh. laughable because Philip Rivers is like the biggest bitch yeah. in the world. But Third, Taylor, and this is going to be a, a crucial point here. Cody, if you're going to be a part of the Chiefs Kingdom, there's a rule that we have, which is that you're going to have to be extremely toxic on Twitter during <laughs> games, okay? During the games and immediately following losses only, okay? Yeah. Those are the times that you're allowed to be toxic and, in fact, are encouraged, encouraged. and expected yeah. to be toxic. Yep. If you are on Twitter and tweeting during the game or immediately after a loss, you just have to be the most toxic person in the entire world. Chiefs Kingdom, Chiefs Twitter, extremely toxic during games. <laughs> However, the rest of the time, you are not allowed to be negative at all. Okay, nope. like you're not allowed to not for a second. players. You're not allowed to point out the problems with the team. Okay, positive vibes only, except during the game. <laughs> negative vibes only. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, we also have Chief Cody for you fourth. You must ch- tag the official Chiefs Twitter account every single time an NFL player gets cut. You never know if they're not following the waiver wire as closely as you are, and they yeah, didn't realize that's the direct line available. to Brett Beach. Yeah, you know that's how they that's how they find out. They check their their mentions and they say, "Oh, dude, everybody wants us to go pick this guy up. Do you think we should scout him? Do you think we should do something about it?" So make sure you get that out there. If they if they don't have you tagging them, they're never going to know that players available. And fifth, you must construct a room in your house for the sole purposes of filming a crappy YouTube channel. So that this is more specific to you, Chiefs Cody, than it is to the general kingdom. But we really need you. If you're going to be legitimate, you've got you've to have people watching you watch Chiefs games and crying when the Chiefs lose, which will never happen again. But, and you've just got to really just embrace the whole, the whole persona there. So please build a room in your house for the chiefs. 
yeah with uh with wallpaper behind it and everything that's uh that's going to be extremely necessary so there you have it chiefs cody welcome to chiefs kingdom uh you've done the right thing but those are the the steps that the hoops that you need to jump through to be accepted as legitimate and so we're looking forward to seeing that from you uh we have another mailbag question from our man Corey Corey 04 at the r at Corey 04 the artist chief <laughs> mailbag question who are the top two best and top two worst nfl actors in commercials viral videos snl skits or tv appearances so i'll go first taylor and my bests uh i'm gonna take pat obligatory um of i course. actually think that he's an underrated actor i think he has uh i think he has good comedic timing and he really just owns it right he's just very he's very confident he's very, He's very earnest and uh, he wants to do a good job as he does in all things. And the all time best, I'm going to loop them all together. I actually saw Cooper Manning in a commercial last weekend. Uh, It's, it's the Mannings, Eli Payton and now Cooper, all of them. And in, in a few years, we're going to be seeing Eli's uh, kid, you know, uh, his son, I think is coming up through the ranks now. He's a big, big time high school prospect. The Mannings are, unbelievably good at tv they all have such good comedic timing they're all archie's a good actor i bet archie i'm sure archie like gave them lessons i'm sure he taught them (laughs) just he taught them to play quarterback i'm sure he taught them how to do media and everything like that they are very funny they have very good comedic timing they have just a a very likable personality even despite being like obviously i mean we've got some big time hatred for peyton as a player but man uh he's just really funny and he specifically mentioned nfl or snl skits uh one of the great snl skits of all time where uh, peyton manning is playing with the the kids playing football with the kids and hitting (laughs) in the backs with footballs and you know cussing them out having them go sit in the porta potty uh because they didn't catch the ball it's uh it's fantastic worst this is a deep cut. This is going back to like when I was watching ESPN in 2010, I was talking about Trent Dilfer's <laughs> segments that he was doing uh, running on commercial in between Trent Dilfer uttering preposterous takes about Philip Rivers and how tough he is were these weight loss ads for some Nutrisystem. Yeah. Nutrisystem. It's yeah. Great. I'll, I'll never forget them. Sure. Nutrisystem. So I, this would the worst for me is going to be, it's going to be Mike Golick and Dan Marino. Who are, <laughs> yeah. Who are both plugging Nutrisystem in just the, <laughs> the worst way possible. It's just a way that made me never, ever want to sample that product. Uh, Mike Golick, I believe it's weird. The things that stick with you, Taylor, uh, after all these years, but I, I can pretty much tell you verbatim, Mike Golick's commercial included a line where he said, my wife doesn't find me as disgusting as she used to, or something like that, which, uh, okay, fair enough, but like, <laughs> way to plug your product, bro. So Also, she probably still finds him disgusting, just not yeah, as just, disgusting. Just slightly less disgusting. So... Uh, and I love Dan Marino as a quarterback. He was uh, he was terrible in those commercials. So those it. are going to be my bests and my worsts. You have the floor. <laughs> so first of all, anyone who's been watching NFL games this year has enjoyed and loved the Baker Mayfield in Brown Stadium commercials that State Farm's been doing. Absolutely some of the best. I, I feel like the concept of a player – and and creating the stadium as their home it was just the moment someone thought of that they're like oh this is going to kill and really i think baker does a fantastic job i think he's very um 
jovial and and goes along with all the bits and stuff and i think his timing's really good there and then my second best actor is going to be antonio brown in his <laughs> youtube videos for the viral videos dude this guy when he finds out he's he was released and he's i'm free i'm free as a bird fly free and he just he was so viral and and obviously the camera gravitated towards him and and i just love him for it so then for worst i've got Aaron Rodgers in the State Farm commercials. I, I think he's very wooden and very – I like Rodgers. I like him as as a quarterback a lot. Um, but I think that he can't act. And I think he's that's pretty – He's also not a super likable person. Like, I mean – That's correct. I, I admire him as a competitor. And that's what I meant. Yeah. He's a competitive prick, but he's just <laughs> – uh, he's he's just not – you know, Pat is a, a competitive prick, but in a likable way. and you Super likable. The, the Mannings as well. Yep. Uh, Rogers is a competitive prick in like the Tom the Brady. Brady way. Yep. Yes. Yep. Michael Jordan. Yep. For sure. Yep. I mean yep. that some guys, all they care about is winning and they'll burn every bridge to get there. And um, Rogers does seem not like the guys that you want to sell your product. No, no, not at all. And then for the worst, I have Antonio Brown in his YouTube videos because as, <laughs> as up as he was when he was released, this video that he recorded and released for some reason when John Gruden calls him to figure out what the hell is going on, man. And, and they, they sit there and they talk about how you're the most misunderstood fucking human being I've ever met in my life when John Gruden's lighting him up and he's, Oh, this is just welcome to my life, man. AB a- is just very uh, <laughs> unlikable and terrible and, and Oh, I'm just, Oh, they just don't understand me. And this is, it, he's so frustrating in that. I've been um, trying to be a Raider from day one. Yeah, 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 right. You've been trying to be a Raider. You screamed <laughs> that you were free like a bird when they released you. You've been trying to be a Raider. <laughs> you hated it there. So uh, AB gets my nod for both best and worst in, because he's, he's, I was so enthralled by the AB saga that last year. It was it was captivating. That dude is berserk. <laughs> he is berserk. He is, he is literally berserk. He is, uh, he's something else. Uh, well, Taylor, that's going to do it for the mailbag questions this week. As always, you guys can add us on Twitter. You can DM us. You can also join our discord server, hang out with our fellow listeners and birds of war Ka-ka! Ka-ka! and drop us questions there. I believe, uh, well, we got one on Twitter from chiefs Cody. And then we also got one on our discord server from, from Corey. Yeah, so a lot of guys are dropping uh, recent questions there. I think it's easier for us to respond and to, you know, keep track of and stuff like that. We are now up to, let's see, 54 members of the discord server. So we're doing pretty good. That's awesome. Come join the club. It's a lot of cool people that uh, we hang out with on Twitter too, but it's just kind of a fun and different way. And plus it's not public. So, you know, like if you're worried about saying anything that what, whatever your boss is going to give you crap for come to the discord server, hang out there. And you know, it's like, uh, it's like the parlor of uh, chiefs. Oh, Twitter, geez. right? Like, Don't it's do like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a free speech zone. It's, it's uncensored. It's uh, it's free. Um, that brings us Taylor to our preview for this week which uh, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time with. This is an NFC matchup, but it's going to be a fun one to recap here in a couple of days. The Chiefs are traveling to Tampa Bay, or should I say Tampa Bay, to play the Buccaneers. (laughs) And they are coming off a loss on Monday Night Football to the Rams, in which Tom Brady again uh, forgot to shake hands with the opposing quarterback, 
who defeated him, Jared Goff. Doesn't know him well enough, I think is what I heard him say. <laughs> ridiculous. Fuck it's Tom ridiculous. Brady. He he told he said after he didn't shake hands with Nick Foles that it, it didn't occur to him. It didn't cross his mind. Guy's 43, so unless he has dementia, which I guess is <laughs> well, possible. Well, he forgot the down earlier in yeah, the year. So. Yeah, I guess that's possible. That's that's gonna be our new take, is maybe Tom has early onset dementia. Uh I mean he's he's old. That's that's a that's an age joke. It works on a lot of levels. But uh yeah, we were just talking about the competitive pricks that are unlikable, and that is, in fact, where we find Tom Brady. But he also is old, and in fact, Taylor, he's bad. He's he's bad. I know two weeks ago, uh, PFF was telling us that he, in fact, has graded higher than Patrick Mahomes and that they are essentially uh, – have been playing on the same level this year. But I just want to throw a stat at you that I saw today. Okay. Uh, Tom Brady's passer rating on deep passes, which I believe is over 20 yards, for the past month, uh, it's uh, – hold on. Let me just check my notes here. Uh, it's zero. <laughs> it's 0. 0.00, oh, which no. as a reminder, Taylor, the way quarterback rating works, it's a, it's an esoteric formula, but the way that it works is that if you just take the snap and then throw the ball into the ground, that's like a 39.5, I believe, uh, is yep. your, uh, is your incomplete, all incomplete passes. If you that's never complete a pass. So to get to zero, you have to not complete passes, but then you also have to complete passes, but to the other team for interceptions. That's how you get to zero. So, so Tom Brady has, he's completed more passes to the other team on these deep passes the last month of the season. Uh, you want to hear what those, you want to hear what those numbers are? This yeah, is great. I, I do. I do. I do. Want so to per next gen stats, in against the Rams last night, Tom Brady was 0 for 6 with two picks on deep passes. <laughs> and over his last four games, he is 0 for 19 <laughs> on deep uh, on deep shots with three interceptions. That's is that good? Is, that is, is that... horrifying. That's... He has completed three passes to the other team and no passes to his own team when he throws the ball deep. Yikes! That's not great. I, He's I, got I... Godwin and Evans and Gronk and AB and AB. Yeah, and, and Slotty Miller. And <laughs> the Slotty forgotten, Miller. The forgotten man. Yeah, I, I mean, the next the, – the, the talking point here is, you know, they obviously – the offensive playmakers on this team are really scary, and frankly, their offensive line is also very good. But, like, does any of that matter if, if Tom Brady can't throw the ball no. more than 20 yards down the field? Because, listen, we kind of glossed over this recapping the Raiders game – if there's one thing that we've been very bad at lately, it's open field tackling. And so, mm-hmm. you know, could Tom Brady theoretically do something similar to what Derek Carr just did, which was, you know, check the ball down, you know, find guys that are open five to seven yards down the field and then just let them pick up yak and make guys miss. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's theoretically possible. Uh, defense is going to have to play better, but I just, I literally can't picture in my mind what it would look like for the Chiefs to get burned deep in this game because Tom Brady just cannot throw the ball deep anymore. No, he, can't, no, he can't do it. He literally can't do it. He can't. And the other thing that the Chiefs have been pretty bad at is those deep balls, especially against the Raiders in the game that they almost lost in the game they did loss, um, lose. They, they got burned in Arrowhead. And even this game, like Aguilar was open 
and uh, Carr did hit a couple deep balls, especially on their first drive. You know, they if Brady can't throw that ball, that just takes away a huge element of what the Chiefs have to try and defend against, and they can they can play bump and they can you know get up in their face. And really, Brady is also not only can he not throw the ball deep, he has the worst passer rating on pressures in the NFL against the Rams. Again, he was like, Oh, for the world with, you know, anytime the Rams had anybody in his face and it it's more of the same. If the chiefs can sell out a little bit and if they can send some guys that they, and Spags loves to blitz, everybody knows that. And if they can blitz him a little bit and not have to worry about the back end because they know that he he's struggling on those deep ones, man, Tampa could have a, bad, bad game against the Chiefs. The Chiefs can already beat Tom Brady when he was with Bill Belichick and at the height of his powers and all that stuff. The Chiefs still played with him every single time. So now that he's possibly over the hill, I don't know. Um, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see this matchup. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the Patriots because the last time the Chiefs saw Tom Brady was in New England. He was not good in that game. No. And- the the talent level i mean the reason he flew south for the the winters to come <laughs> uh, you know to the retirement home in tampa you know it's pretty obvious the playmakers and then bringing in ab a couple of weeks ago and getting him integrated into the offense uh you know i mean obviously the supporting cast is radically better than what he had in new england last year when the chiefs played him the last time but the chiefs played him well in that game and mm-hmm. Steve Spagnuolo traditionally has played Brady very well. He obviously famously beat the 18 and 0 Patriots in the Super Bowl when he was defensive coordinator for the Giants and held them to 14 points. And, you know, I, I am was concerned by the performance against the Raiders because I think on a surface level, some of the things that the Raiders can do well, I think the, the Bucks can also do well, you know, like Tom Brady distributing short passes to his, you know, elusive little, you know, scrappy, you know, they basically have like three slot receivers, Scotty Miller and AB and Godwin are all kind of, you know, slot guys. And then they got Evans who's kind of their bigger guy in Gronk too. But I don't know. I think the chiefs have the capability. They have the personnel to slow the Bucks down and then the question becomes, can the Chiefs score against the Bucks defense, which has been pretty good. One of the better defenses in the NFL, probably a top 10 defense. Let me make that question easy for you. Can the Chiefs score on blank? The answer is yes. Yes. Yes, they can. So if the Chiefs can score, as long as they can prevent the Bucks from scoring, you're saying that they maybe will win this game? I think that's the Chiefs' formula for defeating any opponent. If they can slow the opponent down, they're not going to have to worry about their offense. They're just not. They they are the most pencil them in for 30 points a game offense that I've ever seen. And it's it becomes more apparent, you know, whenever the Chiefs are either off or playing a primetime game and we can sit there and watch all the NFL games unfold on noon and 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 you look at all these halftime scores and they're 7 to 3 and and 10 to six and stuff. And you just think like, man, like this is just, the NFL is just different when it's not the chiefs. Like it is hard to score in the NFL unless you're the chiefs. And when you're the chiefs, they just pile them up every week. This is just another, they've now scored 23 points or more in 46 out of 47 games or 47 out of 48, whatever it is now. And they're, 
they're remarkable in their consistency. And I just am not worried about the Chiefs scoring. I mean, bring in the Steelers, bring on any, whatever defense you want. And I, I have pretty good feeling that the Chiefs are going to get it done. It's going to be a fun one. We look forward to recapping that for you all next week. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We appreciate you listening. And it's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs>